square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome once again, friends, to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Steve Fielder here with you. Having just returned from my annual trip to Autumn Oaks in Richmond, Indiana. What a great time I had up there with all my buddies uh, and a lot of friends. Met a lot of new people this year, and uh, it was just a great, great time. Drove the old Ford 2,288 miles on this trip this year as normal. I went up to Nubbin Moors just outside Birmingham, Alabama, on the Wednesday before Autumn Oaks, spent the night there with Nubbin, and headed out to Richmond. It was kind of an eventful trip getting up to Nubbins this year, dodging the hurricane, uh, a lot of trees in the, on the highway and so forth, but left a little later than usual on Wednesday, but was able to get up there by about 10 o'clock Wednesday night, got a good night's rest, and we headed on up to Richmond on Thursday, rolled into grounds there, I'm going to say about 4 o'clock, and uh, set up the Gone to the Dogs podcast booth there in the headquarters building, uh, did some visiting, and uh, caught up with uh, several friends at that point, and uh, but just had a great time. Autumn Oaks was big this year. A lot of folks there, uh, a lot of folks camping. Uh, I think they had the biggest entry in several years on Friday night with 511 coonhounds entered. So that's a big event. They uh, started on Thursday evening with uh, the duels championship. And my buddy uh, Mark Miller from North Carolina was up with our plot dog, Bear Pin Fever. He hunted in the Duels Championship uh, there on Thursday night. Did not get the cast win. We congratulate Jacob Coons from Ohio hunting a dog that's about the age of our dog. And uh, he uh, ended up for the weekend being the high-scoring plot. So we want to congratulate Jacob for that for sure. Uh, this was the 64th Autumn Oaks, uh, the first one being held in 1960. I was privileged to sit down with Alan Gingrich and Trevor Wade on their Hunting Ops podcast, and we talked about the history of the night hunts. Uh, going back 70 years now since UKC began licensing night hunts. And that was a lot of fun. want to thank Alan and Trevor for inviting me on. Uh, didn't record as many interviews as I did last year, but I recorded three good ones. And if we can piece everything together here today, uh, we'll be hearing, uh, first of all, from the Curtis Elburn family. Uh, Curtis has been at Autumn Oaks 51 years straight. That's in a row. <laughs> and he and his daughters, Nikki and Andy, were both children in strollers when I first met them at Autumn Oaks. And so I was able to get the Elburns, dad and two daughters, to sit down in the booth, and we've recorded that for you. And I think you'll enjoy that a lot. And, of course, Andy went ahead uh, eventually and won the National 
grand show champion of Autumn Oaks with her beautiful male redbone coonhound. So I want to congratulate Andy for that. Um, also, uh, some first-time visitors to Autumn Oaks. I met uh, a real delightful couple from way out west, Shane Richard from Headquarters, Idaho, and Esther Weimer from Clinton, Montana. They're big game hunters and uh, hunt with wipeout bred treeing walker dogs, and so we're able to get them to sit down with us, and we'll hear from them in a minute. And uh, as, to round it out, I like to think of this as being the spirit of Autumn Oaks. Uh, I interview three young hunters, age 12, 13, and 14, I believe, and uh, one from New York, two from Tennessee. Uh, the Tennessee boys are cousins, and they met the, the young gentleman from New York, and they became friends and were enjoying Autumn Oaks together. And so we've uh, recorded them. So that's going to be our show for today. And I hope that you will remember when you need anything in the way of hunting gear, uh, supplies, apparel, uh, customer service uh, for your electronic equipment, remember W Hunting Supply dusupply.com. So without further ado, let's go into the Autumn Oaks interviews with the Curtis Alburn family. Steve Fielder here with the Gone to the Dogs podcast. What a great time we're having at Autumn Oaks, the event where history's made. This is, uh, I think, the 64th uh, annual Autumn Oaks. It first started in 1960 in Greencastle, Indiana, and it has, uh, after some trips to Michigan and North Carolina and Kentucky, it came back to Indiana for 25th anniversary at Jasper, and, uh, and then it moved to Logansport and then over here to Richmond right on the Interstate 70, and it's been there ever since. We got a great crowd here in the headquarters building for UKC. The hunters are lining up to enter their dogs or to confirm their entries for the uh, Friday night hunt. And uh, I am just super, super excited to introduce my guests for today. I was able to corral what I call the first family of Autumn Oaks because I first met them there are here, uh, and uh, believe it or not, uh, I, I'm going to get into this with each of them, and they can tell me how many years so I don't mess it up. But let's just say two of our guests here, I remember them being in their strollers when mom and dad were pushing them around here in this very building where we're sitting. I'm very pleased to have Curtis Elburn and his two daughters, Nikki and Andy. 
And we're going to talk about their experiences with automotives over the years a little bit. Not going to keep them a long time. Uh, wish we'd ha have more time to spend with them. But uh, I first, I guess I first met you, Curtis, here or at one of the UKC hunts uh, back in the day when I was with UKC. I'm not going to ask you if you remember when we first met. I, I couldn't pinpoint it. Could you? I could tell you the exact uh, time and location, but it's been a while ago. It's been a while. Now, I heard the other day somebody said you've been coming to how many straight automotives? This is my 51st year. 51 years in a row. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So was it at Greencastle the first year you, you came? I was in Greencastle, yes. Yeah. Dad took me down there. I didn't have a driver's license. I think he slept in front of the truck, and I slept in the dog box. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to you guys? <laughs> well, Owen just told me that my youngest one on the way down here. He said Grandpa came to one a long time ago, and he had to sleep in the dog box. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the voice of Nikki, uh, and uh, you're the. I just learned. I was confused. I thought Andy was the old. You're the elder sister. And Andy's the younger. And how how many years between you guys? Two years. Two two years. Okay. So we've got and and you both have children here on the grounds today, which is like the well. If we count your dad, Curtis, bringing you to your first one, and then you'd be the second generation, and then you guys third, and your kids are the fourth generation. That's awesome. That's just awesome. What do you remember? Well, let's let Andy. We don't want to answer. Uh, how many years have you been coming? Do you know? I guess 38. 38. Yeah, and I was probably four weeks old on my first Automonks, and I've been every year. Well, I'm sure. I, okay, what year was that? Do you know? Would you know? Was I with? 86. 80s, yeah. Yeah, okay. I came to UKC in 83 is when I first started coming to Autumn Oaks as an official with AK, uh, UKC. And uh, wow, that's, a, that's great. And so then two Six, years? So I was started in 84. So, so yeah. you're like 39. 39. Yeah. I guess Everyone I was 37. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, truly amazing. That's good. Well, Curtis, do you remember anything about your impressions or anything of Autumn Oaks when you were a kid like that, coming down here first time or over to Greencastle as it was? Well, yeah, I thought, you know, there's, there's all these great coon dogs everywhere and all these big fancy trophies, and I thought, I don't have any of them. <laughs> it took me a while to get them. You were after those trophies. Uh, I thought that was the neatest thing there was. Yeah. Now, you guys have traditionally, and I think Nikki maybe is one that strayed a little more from those red bone roots a little bit, but I've always associated uh, you, you know, with the red dogs. And it wouldn't be fair and I, for us to have this conversation at all without mentioning Kathy. Kathy, your mom, Andy, and Nikki, I can't say enough about her. Just an awesome lady that I always enjoyed seeing 
always had a good conversation with her. She always, and then I remember when we had automotes at Logansport, and she and her mother, I believe, were very much involved when we did a judge's appreciation event there. Do you do you girls remember that? And you don't mind me calling you girls, do you? Okay. Do you remember anything about that at all? I know I'm kind of getting off on a rabbit path here, but I remember Logan's sport um, pretty well. We were just sitting around the camper the other night. Alan had brought his guitar over, and we were talking about how far back I could remember. And I was telling him about Logan's sport and that what the production they used to put on with the band and a bingo night and all the extras that came with automobiles yeah. that the other events don't have. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. But oh, I, cool. I, I do remember, I think I was about five that year, five oh. or six years old. And sure. I, I remember all the extras with automobiles and I think yeah. there was a judge's appreciation dinner and um, like I said, bingo night in the band and Oh, yeah. Well, what are your early impressions, Andy? Well, I don't remember Logan Sport. I remember a picture from Logan Sport. It was okay. in 89, and I was only three, so I don't remember okay, a lot about sure. it, but I do remember in some old photo albums, Dad won the show that year with Shadow. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. had a red and black S10 that we drove all over, you know, all over to all the big events and stuff, and Dad's trophy is on the back <laughs> on the top of this old dog box and I'm sitting there with shadow and that, but that's the only memory I have uh, is from that picture. Great. What a heritage, man. Yeah. You know, Curtis, uh, I'm, I'm sure this gives you a lot of pleasure as much as you've enjoyed coon hounds and hunting and all. I'm sure that you hunted with your dad. Did you, when yeah. you were young and that's how you got started. And then to see your girls both, get into it the way they have and I'm He's sure that's great. Running is a good uh, thing to keep me out of trouble. I guess it worked because it's yeah. good yeah. all these years. Right. Well, you know, I uh, my association with coon hunting on the big stage, so to speak, started with UKC. You know, I was a UKC guy. I did end up working for other registries, but I talked to Alan Gingrich this morning. I said, you know, UKC's always been my registry, you know, and my dad was like that. At one time, another registry wrote to him and wanted to get his pedigrees and all because they were trying to build up a stud file on plots. And he said, he wrote him back a little letter and said, I am not interested. UKC is my registry. <laughs> so it kind of, uh, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but certainly in your case, they did. Did you see, well, uh, there's so many things I want to ask you guys. Before I get into that, uh, your first, well, you said, with your dad winning with Shadow was the first big thing. What's the first thing you are farthest back memory that you have? Well, I, I would think. say Logan Sport that year is really stands out in my mind. And yeah. and you announced the bench show back then. Oh, yeah. And a lot of our friends that are still here, Mike Seats, um, Dad, Lee Kearns, some of the guys that are showing this weekend, uh, they were in it in the show there in the overall. And I remember just like playing under the bleachers as a five-year-old kid and the you always made it sound very exciting like it was a big deal you know that, well, 
It was for you, me. You, I mean, you always made it sound like a big well, deal when you announced the men's shows. And in when it moved here, I always remember the, just listening to. Huh. Well, that makes an old man feel good. Uh -huh. I appreciate that, Nikki. Yeah. Well, it, there's always been a lot of fanfare with automotives and, and the people, you know, and I see so many people. And over the years, I've met so many. It, you know, it's hard. You want to spend a lot of time with each one, but you can't, you know. But uh, what I, I guess what I want to ask you, Curtis, is uh, did you, you and Kathy really try to get your girls involved in showing? Or was that something that they just kind of, like to do from an early age and got into it more themselves. In other words, did you kind of push them in, have to push them into it, or did they? Oh, I guess they didn't have much choice, but we went somewhere every weekend, <laughs> they had to go. Yeah. That's just the way it was. Yeah. 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 That was really the family vacation. We didn't go to the beach or the amusement park. We went to Audubon's and Redbone Days. Yeah. yeah. So. That's awesome. That's a great heritage. I wish more families, you know. I always enjoy seeing the kids and the families that are involved. And, and I always remember you. And honest, folks, I remember right in this very room seeing you guys in your stroller with your mom pushing you around. And, of course, that dates me. <laughs> but, uh, well, what... Curtis, did you uh, you hunted quite a few times in Autumn Oaks over the years? I guess didn't you? Yes, I've done very well in this hunt. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time prior to this hunt getting ready for it. My yeah. Main focus for the year. Yeah. So being from Peru, right? Yes. How far is that from Richmond here? About two hours and ten minutes. Two hours ten minutes, and you're north of here, right? Yes. Right. When I wrote my book, uh, Gone to the Dogs, A Cooner's Journey, I wanted to do a chapter about the highways and the byways of coon country, all the traveling I've done over the years. And I thought, what better state to kind of examine would be Indiana, because there have been so many events in Indiana over the years. And to the best of my memory, and I could get back, I had been to or conducted coonhound events in 55 different towns in the state of Indiana. And I, to me, that when I looked at it, I said, man, that's a lot of towns. And my wife, she she laughs at me. I'll see something on TV. I said, we had a coon hunt there. You had a coon hunt. I, she said, I know, you had a coon hunt everywhere, okay? <laughs> Just, <laughs> but um, what's, uh, let's go with Nikki. What's been your best memory of Autumn Oaks? Best memory uh, would probably be Morgan won opposite sex a couple years ago with her Walker Dog Outlaw, um, my third, my middle daughter, I guess. Um, she, she won opposite sex, and she sure was excited about that. And cool. we actually had Andy was showing the Red Bone National Grand, I was showing the Leopard National Grand, and she was showing the Walker National Grand. So we're all three in the ring together. That was uh, a lot of fun for the final. Yeah, in and the national Morgan beat us. And she was very pleased with herself, oh, beating Mom and Aunt Andy. <laughs> Bet she was. Okay, well, I'm. I, give me the names of your children. Kaylee's the oldest, and then Abby, Morgan. Um, so Morgan's, of course, done a lot of showing. 
and then we've got Wyatt and Colton, who's our coon hunter. Absolutely. And then Lydia and Owen is the youngest. All right. Great. And you have one. I have one oh, well, biological. And then you and have th- our uh, older two other yeah. daughters. Right? Yeah. I just talked to your husband, Keith, yeah. earlier about the, his girls. And mm-hmm. he told me about all the perils of living in the house with four women. I'm sure. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, and your daughter is how old? Peyton, she's the 10. Youngest. Peyton's okay. 10. Yep. And the older girls, one of them, uh, Hannah, I Hannah's, think, is engaged now. She is. They're engaged. They just got a house. And oh, she's getting ready to sit up uh, her backyard fence it in so she can get a couple red bones and oh, maybe okay. get back in showing and hunting a little bit and the beat goes on yep. all right that's great well there's a saying in the bible that talks about so and so whoever the character was his quiver being full meaning he had lots of kids great so you got a pretty full quiver uh C- curtis you got all these grandkids and- yeah it's just- Great. Uh, aren't they great? Yeah. Well, I have, uh, I'm in a second marriage. My wife, Ella, uh, and I were sweethearts in high school. We didn't see each other for 35 years. And miraculously, we got back together. She had four daughters. I just had one son. My son has one grand, uh, or one son, uh, daughter. I'll get it right in a minute. So I have one grandchild on that side and then ella has let me see i think there's five and then her daughter jackie has a blended family with two more so we got lots of grandkids too and there's nothing like them there's just nothing like grandkids colton he loves the coon hunt doesn't he he is our coon hunter for sure he would go every night of the week um, so my boyfriend Bryce lives with us, and yeah. him and Colton hunt probably four nights a week. That's great, great. Bryce and I got to know Bryce when we had a uh, we. He came and filmed a bear hunt for us for Freedom Hunters that we did over in Virginia with Heath Hyatt, and uh, got to know uh, got to know Bryce really well. And we always laugh about how. I had him all set up to take this shot of the d- trucks coming through this big mud hole. And, of course, Heath, being the character he is, he made sure that he really created a big splash when he came through. Now, I think we about drowned Bryce. But, man, he did a great job on that. He's good with the camera. I've heard really? about it. He's been going back every year since. In fact, Colton's putting a fair amount of pressure on him to take it with him this oh, year. So we'll see he's how it getting, goes. He's getting at that age where he'd really enjoy it. What's your favorite memory of Oaks, Curtis? You have one? It should well, be a lot. There's been a lot of great wins. My first one was at Jasper. One of my wooden trophies, Savannah, and I won. Champion of champions. First place. Good. You probably got a silver I got platter. A or silver something. platter, and I was right. so disappointed. You wanted a wooden trophy, and here we come with this. Trophies. What am I going to do with this, right? <laughs> I still got it. It's you great, know, I, I have got here this hat, and the letters have fallen off of it. It was one of those stick em things, and I have my name on it. But that is the 25th. Automote silver anniversary and 
I put it on Nubbin Moore. He's here from Alabama, and he won the hunt that year w with a black and tan named Hank. And so I got some pictures with that. But I've got a lot of these old hats that I just kept, and I'm going to start giving them out as little prizes on the podcast, I think, because they're not doing any good sitting in storage in a plastic box, you know, but there's sure a lot of memories to them and, and all, but... Uh, well, what are you guys doing here this weekend? You got shows going on. Did you do the uh, confirmation show yesterday? Yeah, you know? we did. Yep. I showed, um, well, my daughter, most of our kids, Nikki and I, both kids, um, showed in the juniors and um, That's did great. that thing. They did pretty good. Um, are they enjoying it, the yeah. kids? Yeah, they yeah. like it. Good. Yeah, they like it. I think two of Nikki's kids, Owen and Abby, both placed in their oh. group. So it's pretty good. They were big groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Peyton Peyton showed her black and tan, and she won her class, and so she was pleased with that. Yeah. I showed um, my red bone that I've been showing a lot. He won the champion class okay. um, and did pretty good. So we'll keep showing him tomorrow. Got champions and grands to show tomorrow. Um, see how well, that goes. I don't know that it was a lot because I haven't judged an awful lot of shows. I was mostly, as you said, you know, involved with them, but. I think over at Greensburg, you had a real, when I was with AKC, you had a really nice red dog. Do you remember that over at Greensburg, Indiana? You were showing a nice red bone. I'm not sure. Did I you do that little sim, that deal when I did the article for uh, Dogs in Review about red bones, blue ticks, and black and tans? Didn't, I'm not sure. did, I think you did. I might I have. I think I've got it. I might have. <laughs> but there's so many memories and all. What would you have, what's been your favorite show dog over the years, uh, Andy? I've had a lot. Um, the first time I showed a dog, got showing, dad had a, he, he had raised a litter and kept this one female. Um, and he was working with her, getting ready for Autumn Oaks, actually. And they just didn't get along. She was kind of a soft-hearted dog and they just they didn't mm -hmm. mix and he finally was getting her ready and she wasn't cooperating with him and she didn't want to have nothing to do with him and i think she got away from him and he mm. said i don't he told mom i don't want her anymore just let's yeah. sell her I, you know she's not the right fit for me and they went in the house and i went out and called her and talked to her and she came right up to me and was loving on me and I set her up on the bench and I was just kind of playing around I was 10 and dad said you know came out and said huh well all right I guess you show her you know and so <laughs> I won um best female show with her at Autumn Oaks here um and I do remember you announcing and then I always thought that was really cool you know that over here in the uh, old where they used to show yeah. um where their vendor barns now right, right. yeah so that's where I first remember showing here and Cheyenne was pretty special to me and she, I bred her and kind of everything we have now kind of came from some of those old dogs, which she was out of, um, Tarzan and, and Cadillac, two dogs that, um, dad bred and done a lot of winning yeah. with. So yeah. we were talking about it the other night. Keith, uh, dad was telling my husband, Keith, some old red bone stories. And he said, do you have any of that bloodline anymore? And I said, well, yeah, they're all, that bloodline yeah huh? it's all still yeah. the same bloodline so that's awesome um, but yeah cheyenne was pretty special um i won the world champion and opposite sex here at autumn oaks with a dog i called storm 
um, that I raised. Um, he he was yeah. pretty special to me, and yeah. and really the one I have now, I call him Hank. He's he's right up there in the top three or four yeah. that I've had over yeah. the years. I really like him. I yeah. think he's pretty special. Do you can you lay your finger on a dog in the history that's kind of stamped these dogs? Or do you, yeah do they, do they look like something in the past that you? The very first good dog was Copper Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was a good. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about you, Nikki? Do you have a favorite since you've been in, involved? I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, Storm always stands out just because he was such a natural, and you could hand him to anybody, and he just keeps the same dog every time. You know, yeah. you could always count on him. He's never going to do anything crazy, um, but. I've got a variety of colors at my I know house, you not just red, and that really stemmed from, because I got so many kids, I tried to get them in different breed rings. Yeah. So we got a few different breeds to And they like to be individual and do yeah. their own thing, yeah, don't yeah, they? Yeah, to spread yeah. them handlers out so they weren't showing against each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it ended us with a, a whole yeah. variety pack at our house. I showed Dad's leopard yesterday. <laughs> well, speaking of leopards, now when they broke into the registry and all, you guys, bam, you were right there. Uh, you came up big with a, with a, a dog. What what was that Slipknot. dog? Slipknot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. From Georgia. I was living in Georgia at the time, and leopards, you know, they first became registered as a coonhound, recognized as a coonhound. Um, we were going all the time. We were we did, I didn't have children yet, and so we were just traveling, doing the coon hunt and show thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, nobody has a leopard. This would be easy yeah. to win there's not any so let's yeah. look for one and we went to lamar meek's yeah. um house and he mm -hmm. had just tons of leopard dogs and he showed us around and um i kind of spotted one that i really we were going looking for a puppy um but there he had an adult male dog there that i said he was just so flashy and eye-catching and yeah. i just i kept going back to him and i called dad and i said let's get this leopard dog and he's like what <laughs> <laughs> say well <laughs> i showed him a picture and he said okay all right you know and so we brought him home and we had him yeah. for a little while but mostly dad took him yeah. and hunted him and showed him and did some winning okay. with him we bred him and you know got a couple females trying yeah. to get some pups off of him and but he was yeah. pretty successful and then we got um dazzle stampede camo dazzle who um was the first First dual Grand Night Champion. The first dual Grand Leopard Hound. Oh, awesome. That's, um, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Sure. And, um, we won National Grand Leopard twice here with him at Autumn Oaks um, in the hunt. I hunted him one year and my husband Keith hunted him one year. Um, yeah. He did pretty good. And then we had Fifty Shades of Grey and she was... Um, that's right. A little spin-off there yeah. on popular yeah. theme. Yeah, Shady. She was the National Dual Champion. She actually won the breed... The first three years, I think she won it the breed at least two years, maybe three years, and then the overall national duel the second year that they had it. Wow! So yeah, so a couple good leopards yeah, in there too. Do. Oh yeah, well, and you still have some leopards, uh, Nikki. Well, Dad's got one right now. He's called Moody Blues. So I handled him or her yesterday in the confirmation show, and she won best of breed leopard. So Very she's a pretty good. nice little female too. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a jump for you from red dogs to merle-colored dogs. 
Yeah, they're a pretty unique dog. They're, they're yeah. different, kind of special. And we come up with a lot of first in the leopard breed. Yeah, that's history, man. Like we say, the event where history's made, that stuff will stand forever. You know, I've heard these guys all my life, you know, in the hunting circles and back in the hills where I come from and all. Papers don't treat coons, papers don't treat bears, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, you know, the history that you're recording on these dogs, it's forever. Who was the first, you know, what, national champion leopard dog or whatever yeah. at the time? I I think that was Slipknot. He was yeah. Slipknot was the first yeah. ever national. I mean, he was show, it. Leopard. But I took yeah. a litter out of him, and when they were like two years old, we showed him one best of breed male, best of breed female, champion male, champion female, and the grand champion leopard. Yeah. I believe that's the only time it's ever happened on all five categories with, yeah. with one litter, one litter one that. Wow. That's, I don't know if it's beginner's luck. What I think that is is that all the experience that you have with these red dogs, you applied it to the leopard. I think, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I would say that's exactly what happened. Or at least that's what I'm going. That's my story. I'm going to stick to it. Probably is, but I still have a heart for the red bones. Oh, I can't. I know you do. I can't. I know you straight do. too far. So, <laughs> so beautiful. There's, you know, everybody has their opinion what's pretty, but. The red bone hound is, to me, the most beautiful hound that God ever created. I mean, I, you know, back in the early days of the red bones, they were black backs. Some of them had white feet and all this, you know, as they, they were kind of a southern breed, bred down from the foxhounds and all that stuff. But those old guys decided, you know, man, that's that red beautiful. And they started selectively breeding for it, you know. And, of course, where the red fern grows, I just did a podcast this week, and the one that's airing as we're recording right now with Lee Kearns and Johnny Brinkley. And we had, Lee and I had done a, a seminar, uh, kind of a demonstration for a elementary school in Thomasville, Georgia, the week before the Winter Classic in Albany. I drug him with me, and he had a... Uh, a walker female at that time and we took it in there and the kids are like where's the red ones you know <laughs> and so many kids all over the uh, th down through the years teachers would call me to ukc and say we're reading where the red fern grows and we want to know where some of these dogs are so we can have them come in and the kids can see them you know so the red bone's been the ambassador and been the reason that a lot of kids got involved in coon hunting. You know, have your kids read it at all? They are, yes. So fourth grade at our school, that's one of the books they do. Awesome. And when I had Storm up here, um, when the girls were little in, in fourth grade, I took him in and we did a demonstration a couple of years when they were doing their uh, chapter on where the red fern grows. That's great. That's great. Well, guys, I know you got lots of things, people you want to see and things you want to do and all. And so it's, I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time away to spend with me. And, and I don't know where those little girls went, Curtis. I've said two beautiful women sitting here in front of me. And, and, but I'm proud to have known your family and you guys as friends. And, and I don't know how many more years I got of this to do, but... 
I'm going to enjoy every one of them. And part of it's going to be seeing you guys at Automotive every year and on Facebook and everywhere else. You have gotten some unusual hobbies, and I can't get a, let you get away. I knew you were into the Longhorn cattle, okay? And then the other day I was talking to Fred Moran, the Redbone Man. He tells me you're up in Pennsylvania hunting rattlesnakes. Now, what, what, what's all this about? Well, I got into the longhorns, and, I, and from breeding the dogs, I got pretty good at breeding the longhorns. I won 42 longhorn world championships. They no just way. measure the horns in like 15 years. 42? 42. 42. And, and we measure again in October. I got five entries. So then we was going to these Longhorn events in Oklahoma and Texas, and they had these rattlesnake events. So I thought, that's got to be pretty exciting. So we started going to them, and then we go around and do the rattlesnake hunting. <laughs> you can come to Florida, yeah. and I'd invite you to take them all back because <laughs> we got plenty of them. It's a, fair, it's a fair exchange. They get you or you get them. <laughs> There was a book one time written called The Most Dangerous Game, and it was about hunting man. You know, this guy goes, I believe it was on an island or whatever, and he goes there on a hunting trip, but it, as the thing goes along, he finds out that he's going to be the hunted, you know. So that's kind of like what you're saying with the snakes, I guess. I never met a snake that I really liked. <laughs> My wife gets, we have black snakes around the house and they're good because they kill poisonous snakes and rodents and all. And she just uh, freaks when she sees one. I saw a couple, oh, I see a couple of your kids here. They're wondering what you guys are doing. Let's get on with it. They wandered up here. They found us. They're probably ready for lunch. Yeah. Any Anything you want to add? Anybody? <laughs> I don't think so. This is my favorite event, and I'm glad we got to catch up. Absolutely. This is the one I yeah. look forward to every year. Yeah. And, and we got big plans next year, Steve, so we're hoping to see you here. Oh, well, okay. We got, we got some events in the works for next year. Ooh, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, Lord willing, my buddy, Nubbin Moore, lives in Alabama. And I tell him the only reason that he and I are still friends is he's a good stopover spot and a free bed and breakfast when I come up right. on these long trips. But we've been doing that for a good long while. As long as we're able, I guess we'll be here. But yep. well, have a, have a great day, guys. I appreciate so much y'all coming on with me. All right, thanks, Steve. All right. The Curtis Elburn family. Welcome back again, folks, to the mobile uh, podcast here from Autumn Oaks in Richmond, Indiana. We're on day number three, Saturday, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, as I'm sitting here in the UKC headquarters building, I'm looking at the giant screen that's uh, displaying the names of the Grand 16, the Grand Knight champions that hunted last night. Uh, and these 16 dogs will be going to the woods tonight in forecasts with those forecast winners then coming back late to hunt in a final four to determine the national grand night champion of Autumn Oaks. Uh, the high scoring dog of each of the seven breeds will be named the uh, national breed champion uh, of Autumn Oaks. So 
Uh, it's a big time right now in the headquarters building. Uh, it's kind of quiet because most of the people are in the next building over at the show. Uh, the Autumn Oak Show is a, is a big deal for Coonhound Bench Show enthusiasts, and uh, they're doing their thing in the rings over there and all. But it's a beautiful day here in uh, Richmond, Indiana, just typical Midwestern, uh, just getting on the cusp of fall. In a little bit, we'll start seeing the temperatures drop a little more, and uh, we'll be into that time of year that every hunter dreams of, and that's hunting season. Yesterday, I had uh, as my guest uh, what I like to refer to as the first family of autumn oaks, the Curtis Elburn family. Curtis has been to 51 autumn oaks in a row. And his daughters were virtually raised here at Autumn Oaks. Remember them when they were just in strollers, their mother pushing them around the grounds. And uh, Nikki and Andy, they each have a 38 and 40 year uh, straight uh, visits to Autumn Oaks. So that was a great uh, interview, a great time to spend with them. Today, I have captured some folks that have one in a row, right? Yes. <laughs> That's right, Steve. First one. Yeah, well, I'm here with Shane Richard from Headquarters, Idaho. That's a long way, Shane. It's a long ways, yeah. Yeah. It's a long ways. Worth the trip, though. That's for sure. Oh, great. And also Esther Weimer from Clinton, Montana. Yes. So you guys, I know my Western geography fairly well. But would you believe of all the travel that I've done around the country, I've been out west to California, Oregon, Washington State. I've been to Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada. I have never been. I've been to Utah. I've never been to either Idaho or Montana. Wow. Well, you're going to have crazy? to you're going to have to come out. Really? Well, listen, you guys, I, I know from our prior conversations that you're not uh, coon hunters, per se. You do use the same type of hounds that we use for the coon hunting. I don't know whose story we want to go with first, but I guess, Shane, I, I, I'm going to be the chauvinist here, Esther. I, I apologize. But, Shane... Um, the old age-old story. How'd you get started in hounds? Well, uh, I was actually born in Ohio, and oh, okay. so I have a lot of family back there. Um, growing up, when I was, you know, I mean, when I was little, my dad had black and tans, and oh. so we did a lot of coon hunting. Um, we moved out west when I was about seven, I think. And when I moved out there, uh, there was a lot of people that had that hunted bear with hounds and mountain lions, and so it was just a natural transition. So. I've had hounds ever since I was little. I mean, I've had hounds for 35 years. Um, and it's just, you know how it is. It's just a part of your life. It's just what you do. Um, but uh, I've got walker dogs. We've got uh, both her and I, we run those wipeout dogs out there yeah. on, the, on the bears and lions. Found out they've done really well. Um, but coming to Autumn Oaks, uh, my dad, you know, he told stories about coming here back in the eighties. That's when he was, that's when he was doing a lot of hunting stuff with the black and tans. And so, uh, just always wanted to, to come and be here so, well, great. and experience great. it. 
Well, what about you, Esther? Uh, what's your background in hound dogs? So my background in hound dogs, so my dad um, used to run beagles in Bellingham, Washington. Okay. And so he had beagles and he had a lot of walkers and a lot of black and tans and flocks. And so I just remember as a little kid, my mom has a bunch of pictures of me and my sister and all with the beagle dogs. And then I remember going bear hunting with my dad. So I remember anywhere from running beagles on, you know, the old tracks, you know, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, just story after story of running the beagles. And then my dad and he would get with his buddies, we'd go out and go bear hunting. Yeah. And, you know, three to five years old, I was out there with my dad, Treen, you know, the big dogs on bear. And um, there's so many pictures of me just sitting on the dog box, holding the jaws open of the bear and just sitting there. <laughs> and so, and you know, those big old, you know, red wagons that we used to have back in the days, hauling the puppies oh, yeah. around. Oh, those yeah, those three. Yep, yeah, the three. coaster wagons or whatever the, what was the uh, American Flyer or, yes, or something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And just hauling puppies around. And I don't mm. ever remember a time until I was probably like in my like late teens that my dad never had under 20 dogs. And oh, so wow. he, and then, so when uh, Washington kind of quit um, bear hunting, so he moved to Idaho and grew up on 120 acres out on the Dorshack Reservoir out of headquarters. And uh, we were just out there and we had dogs and me and my sister, I mean, almost on a daily basis, we grew up on a 120 acres, like I said, two acre garden and we lived off the land. We went to town awesome. once a year, and we literally ran dogs like every day. So we trained. So dogs. it's safe to say you're a country girl. Yes. yes. Oh, and she's not even explaining it. Like she's not making you understand when she says she lived out away from town. She was 20 miles from the nearest uh, power pole. I mean, that's how far she was out. They got power from a generator in the creek. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you were off the grid uh, always. Huh? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's did, awesome. Yeah. And so just grew up, you know, living off the land and having dogs and like having my, my dad's background of, mm. you know, the love for his hounds. But my dad, that was his nice thing is we would always go hound hunting together. Like I, I was not a house person. I hung mm. out with my mom a little bit, but we would go out and we would treat bear, cougar, bobcat. And all my wow. memories were with my dad and he would teach me everything you know about the dogs and he i mean anywhere from a cold track to a hot track and uh just having the dogs work and going and like walking with the dogs and learning and getting close to the tree and being like oh just step back a little bit let the dogs work on that tree a little bit you don't want the cat to jump out i mean so he taught me so much and then um when i was 18 i moved to montana and uh so i lived in montana and had two beautiful kids and then as soon as my daughter hit about two years old, I got back into the walker dogs. And so I just, I was super happy. And then in Montana running cats again and just having, never losing the passion and always wanting to go back in with the dogs. And That's so awesome. Just. That's awesome. Well, you know what you say there about, I had a mentor like that in my father. And he was, you know, I was his shadow. I was the oldest of two boys. My brother's eight years younger than I. And my brother liked to hunt and all, but he was not really obsessed with it like I was. And, uh, but I was with my dad always, you know, and there was gardening to do on Saturday mornings and, and things like that. And then we could go fishing, which, and then when it got dark, we went coon hunting. And then he became addicted to bear hunting in in west virginia we didn't have any cat well 
We may have had a few bobcats, but nobody hunted them because there's so many rocks and all. You could hardly ever tree one. But uh, but that was it, you know, and he was a teacher. He was always, Steve, do this. Do, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. But he just liked to show me things. And I, I get frustrated with parents nowadays that are not teaching their kids anything. There's a joke going around, we're going to start a revolution. Uh, kid, you can't even start a lawnmower, you know. Well, I don't want to be too hard on those folks, but, you know, my, I grew up like you. Uh, my dad showing me things, showing me how to do it. And I wanted to know. I wanted to know how to do things. Yeah, you know, I spoke in a, we talked in a podcast that's airing this week with a couple of my old, older buddies, and they talked about plowing behind a mule when they were little. Now, these guys were, one of them is 90 years old and the other is 84. And I said, I was always envious of my cousins in Tennessee because when they were young, they learned how to do that. The uncles or neighbors showed them how to plow with a mule. I never got to do that. And, man, I felt like when they would talk about that, I felt, man, so frustrated that, you know, I want to learn that stuff. So I get it. It's what I'm trying to say, Esther, is I get it, what you're saying about that. Well, um, so how did you guys, the re relationship come together? You guys hunt together, right? Yeah, well, like you said, she, she lived uh... – about 20 miles from where I do. Uh, and I live right at the end of the road. So headquarters, Idaho, that's where I live. It's a potlatch company town. So they own uh, over three quarters of a million acres of timber company right around in northern Idaho up there. And so uh, the headquarters, it used to be, there's six houses there now, but it used to be a big town. So it used to be, I mean, I guess it would be similar to, you're talking about a coal town, right? So they mm -hmm. had the, the store, gas stations. Yeah. They had their own dairy they had swimming pools. They had a, a huge, uh, you know, a huge like hall building where they did, they put like on like productions and stuff. Huge. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, so I, I always knew her family and stuff like that. Um, but we just kind of reconnected just here a few years ago. She's when she decided to get back into hounds, um, the bloodlines that were around the area. Um, you know, she had, she, that's what she wanted to get again. She, mm -hmm. she had, you know, like the stuff that her dad had, and then she had some really nice dogs that were out of that same bloodline. So she just wanted to get back into it, get those same bloodlines. And that's what I had all along. Um, so the dogs that we have go back to, uh, dogs that were registered dogs that were brought into the area back in the seventies. Okay. So some of those old time dogs. And then I had brought out some of the wipeout stuff. I just got really lucky right. and found some of that, that worked super good. So that's how we reconnected a couple years ago. Um, and then we just been spending more time together and just doing a lot more hunting together. And well, that's so awesome. that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm th I'm reminded of the name. Does this ring a bell with you? Raymond Mears walkers in well, Oregon years ago. Uh, I'm His not son sure. Steve. Was Lonnie Mears. Okay. Well, that's and what, that's what I'm Finley thinking of. River dogs. Yeah. And there's a and, lot of Finley River dogs there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just thought that might ring a bell with you. Yeah. It seems uh, everything reminds me of something else. Uh, my ADD uh, from school still with me. There was a black and tan man named Ken Dun Kenneth Duncan in Montana. Or something. Yeah. You ever hear that yeah. name? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. I spent some time in Warland, Wyoming, hunting along the Bighorn River there and fly fishing with a coon hunter named Dean Carroll. And uh, his dogs were primarily uh, 
Lance bred. Go back to Bob Marisock. Yeah, uh, yeah, Topper. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so you know, and I and we had a Wyoming championship out there a couple years coon hunting. Mm -hmm. And so I met some of the Western hunters, Mark Bates from Montana. That's red bones. Red bones. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, a Walker man, Chris. Oh man, I can't think of his last name. He's a lion hunter. So, but you know that whole deal out there in the West. Of course, I love going to the West. It's so big. It's so enormous. It's so beautiful. But you got a lot of things that you can chase with hounds out there. You know, yeah. I grew up in West Virginia. We basically had coons, and then later on, the bear got more popular. Years and years ago, back before the turn of the century, that whole area was just saturated with bears. But as the settlers came in, those mountaineers and all that, they pretty much decimated the bear crop. And then, but they were coming back, and that's when my dad got the fever and got into registered plots. That was his lifelong breed. So, but so I love the bear hunting. I think it's interesting with you. You went the entire spectrum from bunnies to bears. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. So that's that's kind of a giant leap. You it know? is. Well, yeah. and and some of the first dogs I remember that my dad was getting, you know, when he was getting out of the beagles, is he loved the plots because they were so hardy on the bear, mm. and he loved that. And then I remember he had two black and tan males, and then he had three black, uh, three walker females. Mm -hmm. But he loved his plots because of the grit, and he mm -hmm. loved them mm -hmm. because all of his buddies they either ran black and tan or plots, and so there was like five, a group of five guys. Yeah. And, they that's all they did and they were out there every single day and i remember as a kid and they're like dad like are we gonna go hunting today he's like yeah we're going hunting today he's like if we get something close to the house i'll come back and get you because i was just a couple years old and uh <laughs> but he and he did he loved his plots because of that yeah. and then when we moved into um idaho we didn't have as many plots um i just remember him bringing one in particular back um, but a lot of the old, old, old black and tans, and that's, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. the, and that's what he started with. Right. And then we ended up getting a few walkers and, uh, it, I mean, us kids, I mean, growing up, I'm the oldest of five. Oh, okay. And so like, it was very nice to be able to go out with my brothers and sisters. Um, and as we all gotten older, we've kind of all went in our own directions, but me and my brother Andy are like the only ones that have stuck with the hunting mm -hmm. and the bow hunting and the big game animals and just out hound hunting. Yeah. I mean, and so, but it's nice to be able, there's nothing better than hearing a dog in the canyon barking and down there treeing and a good old elk bugling. That's the best thing <laughs> oh, man, world, Steve. Best thing. Well, you had uh, an element there that uh, we don't get out east is those elk bugling uh, we do in certain little patches down in the smoky mountain region they in cherokee north carolina they got elk running around through the town they're all wearing little telemetry collars gps collars so that's not quite the same is it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and land between the lakes uh there's an elk herd there and stuff so they're trying you know but yeah i have been out there i hunted the white mountain apache uh reservation in Arizona and saw a lot of elk and they had some huge bulls out there. They have a, a big, I think they call it the million dollar elk hunt or something. It costs you like 10,000 just for a tag or something. So, but yeah, that's a different world. And for a kid that was raised in a small town in Southern West Virginia in a coal mining region, 
uh, it, you know, the enormity of the mountains and all and that, that whole deal. Well, what's the legislative picture like out your way right now? I know over the years, I remember when Oregon lost, you know, the bear hunting and all, California. It seems like the dominoes really fell fairly rapidly out there and all. But I hear that Idaho's a pretty pro-hunting state. Yeah, um, yeah. she can speak to Montana because they've opened up some bear hunting and stuff, which you is pretty good. cat hunting opened up, too, or lions yeah. hunting with hounds, right? Uh, yes. Just within the... So, the, so I think it's only been two years yeah. that we've had bear, that oh, we've been able okay. to run bear only in the spring. The Hound Hunters Rabel Association was able to pass it so we can hunt bear in the spring now. We can actually take them? Mm -hmm. Yes, we can okay, actually cool. take them. Uh, no fall hunting with dogs at all. Um, but we've always been able to run cats. So, you know, bobcat and cougar, we've uh -huh. always been able to do that. But the the bear season in the spring has just opened in the last couple of years. So now we can take the dogs out and really, like, run, you know, dogs on bear. So a lot of guys, though, are still super leery on running because they've only ever been cat dogs. And so now we're getting some other people coming from different states, though, that are hunting Montana bear that are used to it, like in Idaho, different, you know, different states. Um, but they're, they don't want their dogs to deviate, you know, from the cat hunting as much. And it's a little bit, you know, it's different. But they have always ran bear in different, you know, different states, but never in Montana. And Idaho yeah. and has always been open. And, and that's what's great. I mean, Montana is kind of a liberal state as far as politics go. So really when you get, I mean, that's a win when you, you can't hunt bears with hounds and then it gets then to the point where they the open beer. it back up. How, when do you ever hear about that? Right. Yeah. yeah that. Um, but as far as Idaho goes, yeah, Idaho is super pro hunting. It's a, it's, um, that's just everybody hunts. I mean, even the, even a lot of the legislature and, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of the politicians there, I mean, they're, they're just, Idaho is one of those states I love to live there just because it's, you don't have oh. to worry about a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, there's, it's a lot of good hunting and, and the whole state is the same way. Okay. Well, the question comes to me now in the fall coming up, which things are September, you're mm -hmm. getting into the elk season and all that kind of stuff. Yes. What do you just kind of put the hounds on hold? No. All that or what? No. So well, well, you can't run bear. No, you can in Idaho. So, oh, in Idaho. You so, can. so, okay. we, so yeah, we have basically two weeks of vacation. She's coming over um, the middle of September. So in the unit I live, uh, over there in Idaho, uh, season opens the 15th and it runs to October 9th for, for hounds kill season. That runs concurrent with bow season. So we both bow hunt. So what we do is we're going to bear hunt during the, during the day in the morning, get out early because sometimes it's still pretty hot, you know. Mm. And then in the afternoon, we're going to go try to slay that elk. So, yeah. Well, that's what I noticed about hunting bear with hounds in New Mexico and Arizona. That in the morning, it would be real chilly, you know, to be ice in the buckets, mm -hmm. you know. And then by by mid-morning or noon, it's like 75, 80 yeah, degrees, you yeah. know. And There's that huge swing. Shucking off clothes like crazy, but uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I have been able to hunt in New Mexico and Arizona for bear. Uh, I hunted in... Uh, Wyoming. We actually coon hunted out there, and the fellow that Dean that I mentioned earlier, he they also did some lion hunting with their dogs. But uh, okay, I want to talk to you about your dogs a little bit because uh, do you both hunt the same line of dogs now? Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you mentioned the wipeout. Dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, before I do that, I want to just kind of reiterate something. 
uh, some recent podcasts and conversations and all about how that these big game dogs weren't were it not for the coon hunters back here laying a foundation on a lot of especially registered dogs or your dog do you keep the papers yeah, up on yeah, your dogs yeah they're all registered yep yeah, yeah okay. absolutely well how do you, you know how does do you relate to that do you think uh, i mean do you, do you have any reverence for the fact that coon hunters started the dogs you had or is that just no I, you know absolutely yeah i mean i i completely understand that that's where you know that's the foundation uh a lot of guys out there and you know this um they don't pay attention to papers and it's not really that big of a deal to them they're going to breed to whatever they want to breed to and so they're just all crossbred for me just for just for me i like to have the registered dogs because they and it's not whether they're registered or not to me that's not the most important thing it's whether they get the job done oh and so but these dogs here yeah they're i mean like i said i started out with the local stuff um some like they go back to dogs like moore's night root score there's a lot of finley river mm -hmm. stuff in there too but um the guys that had those dogs for me way, way before they, they bred them. I mean, they had them shipped out back from back here. Um, there was in fact, there was a guy that, uh, he was born in the twenties and he just recently died, but he had hounds his whole life. And so he started out with dogs that weren't, were not registered dogs and they weren't that great. Then he hunted with a guy who had a registered Walker dog and he saw the, the difference. Like it was a coon, you know, coon dogs that got shipped out there. And he mostly lion hunted, but the difference was night and day. So he's the first one that started bringing these dogs in. And then they just bred them, you know, for bears and mountain lions all along. And I just built on that. Um, my dogs, all of my dogs and, you know, all, both of our dogs, they go back to that. And then I just brought in a shot of that wipeout stuff. It was just a, kind of a... Mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine in Michigan that called me up and he said, Hey, I, I got this. I, I know a guy who has a, has, he's like nine months old. He's an older guy. He's wanting to get rid of his only dog he has. He's, he's just done hunting, but he just op slides open the, the box. She sticks her head out and he just drives around. She strikes him out of the truck and he turns loose. She goes and trees him. And I said, Oh, we'll go hunt with her. So he went and hunted with her a night and he goes, man, he says, we treat a bunch of coons with her tonight. And he says, I'm going to go tomorrow night too. I said, okay, let me know. So he goes out the next night, they do the same thing. And he called me and he, I, I said, how'd she do? She did great. But, and I said, well, what's the but? And he goes, I think I won't buy her myself. <laughs> well, anyways, he did buy her, but then he, I think he got to feeling bad. So he ended up, I yeah. got her from him and she was just the most awesome little dog. Um, she, I could drive down. She's one of those dogs you could drive down the highway and she would strike bears out the truck going 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, super track dog, um, just everything I wanted in a hound. So I, I bred her once and then it was kind of a bad deal. We have those Canadian gray wolves out there. Oh yeah. And so I was running a bear. The wolves come in and killed three of my dogs. She was one of them. So I had a litter of pups out of her that was wipe out bread and the local stuff. And then what I did, this has been several now, years ago. Now, she wipe out bread? Yes. Yes. yes okay. She was, yeah, she was all wipe out top and bottom. Can I stop you right there just yeah. a second? The wipeout dogs, can you name a few dogs on the? Yeah. Pedal? So, yeah. So, so she's out of Zeb again. Okay. Is, is who she's out of. Um, I have yeah. some dogs now that are out of, uh, well, the dogs I have now. So I have, uh, we have some pups, some pups out of the wipeout Tarzan dog. Um, okay. I, I'm not so, really familiar with him, yeah. but you know, Zeb, mm -hmm. Zeb, 
again, Zeb three. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, uh, Zach. Zach. Yeah, you know, go, which and we go back to Moose Ruby. Back yeah. here, Ruby. Yeah, all those dogs were very active in PKC back mm -hmm. during my tenure there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm real familiar with that bloodline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Well, yeah, I I don't know. They just work perfect for me. They're 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 good track dogs. They're really noisy, which I like on a bear. Super hard tree dogs. I mean, out there in that country, even with the even with the GPS stuff, sometimes if they get somewhere rough, you're going to be there. Yeah, it's going to take you all day. It might take you ten hours to get there. Well, I want to get back to Esther, but I got to ask you this: mm -hmm. uh, What about early starting? I've heard that some of the wipeout dogs don't immediately take to the tree. That has know? not been my experience not with these dogs. Experience That's the other thing that I okay. like about them. Most of our most of our puppies, and so we just start them, I, I have them in a big, just a big fenced-in area, and I just start teasing them with a bear hide or a mountain lion mm -hmm. and just tease them a little bit, get them going. And the first time, most all of them are trying to get it. And then by the second or, second or third time, by the time they're six, eight weeks old, a lot of times some of them are, even, are treeing by that time. That's great. And That's so, great. yeah, for me, it's been, I mean, it's mm -hmm. been everything. Like, I, I just, awesome. I can't say enough about yeah. that bloodlines and then mixed with the local stuff. So, Esther, you have some of these, the same bloodline? Okay. What's your opinion of, of the these dogs? I mean, I, because I know women tend to come sometimes from a different perspective. They're more, uh, the, you, know, you know, they think deeper than, than we do. And, uh, you know, you see things in dogs that we may not see. What do you see in these dogs that you like? Um, what I see in the dogs I like, I mean, I, I take my dogs everywhere. So my dogs go shed hunting with me. They go camping with me. They go on hikes with me. I like the loyalty of the dog that actually sticks with you and is can be a family dog, go swimming with you, um, hang out with all the kids and be right there as just like a lab would be, but yet then go put them in a dog box, drive down the road, and be the most hardest hunting animal that you could ever have and sit there and watch them at a tree, treeing for an hour, whatever it might be, but then literally the next day they're out camping with you, they're swimming. I mean, my daughter awesome. will go out swimming. So, there's such diversity. There's just one word for that in the old common vernacular: brains. They're yes, smart. They're super smart, and yeah. they and they know when it's hunting, and they know when it's family time. And it's I just I have always incorporated them as my family. They're my family, mm -hmm. and so and I think in that it stems back from my dad too, because even though they were his working dogs, we always I mean from treeing our local our our barn cats to you know, getting out there and train, you know, coons or whatever that was trying to kill our chickens mm -hmm. to going out and running bobcat. But then at the end of the day, all of us five kids, we were always with the dogs. So they learned to yeah. go swimming with us. They learned to be there. They jumped on the floor. What a great life. You know, yeah. I mean, really, you wish that every kid in America could experience this, you yes. know. And, uh, that's what you saying all these things what makes it so important to me and to most the people that really care about this sport is that we get the kids involved in it and, but they don't grow up in your in the environment you did they grow up in the city they you know i have grandchildren that are like this they they have fathers that don't care about the outdoors you know, they work hard, they're hardworking, they care for their families, 
but when they're off work, you know, they're uh, exercising their thumbs or they're watching sports on TV or whatever, and they're not, you know, teaching the kids. And, you know, and then the kids tend to push back a little bit because, you know, it's out of their comfort zone when you try to take them out and show them how to do things and all. And I'm not picking on my, you know, I have, uh, my wife is my second wife and I'm her second husband. But these grandkids are great and we love them dearly. But I just wish I could do more to introduce them to what the things that I grew up doing. Because although we lived in a, a small town, we were on the edge of town, and I could come home right off the school bus and grab my gun and hit the woods right from where I lived, and I, I, I did every opportunity, and all that's the way I grew up. And then, well, my dad taking me on bear hunts. My dad, I tell a quick story. This was back in my Houndsman XP days with Chris Powell about going on a bear hunt with my dad, and we rode we had to drive five hours, and there was no room for me in the cab, a single cab pickup truck. The only place I could ride was in the back with the dog, and we had the pickup truck full of, of straw, and my dad just had these drop chains off the round the side of the bed. We didn't have any box or anything. Rig, rigging was unheard of back then. So uh, it's like a three-dog night, you know, I'm back there. It's cold. There is a camper shell over all this, and the dust is swirling and all this. So we get there, and, and I'll try to condense this. We get there, and the hunters are all kind of gathered around. It's just pre-dawn, and they're gathered around a fire, uh, fire pit-like, and they're talking and then talking about where we're going to go. And back in the mountains, it was a custom to set standards, at, at at crossings where the bear would like, although my dad was always pretty much a purist. If it wasn't in a tree or fighting the dogs on the ground, he didn't want to shoot it running across the road. I mean, that was just the thing. But that was the way they did it back in those days. So anyway, these guys are standing around talking and stuff. And somebody says, well, what's Fielder got that kid up here for? And I'm just maybe eight years old or something. 10 maybe my dad is short in stature tough as iron he was a pipe fitter he you know walked the high steel with a block and tackle on his shoulder and all this i mean totally fearless could climb anything with bark on it but he just kind of steps out into the circle of that fire and he says that's my son where i go he goes okay he just steps back. Nothing more said. Yep. I've never forgot that. It only tears yeah. me up oh, absolutely. to think about absolutely. it. But, you know, he believed in sharing his lifestyle with me. And I just want to share what I've learned with as many people as I I guess that's why old guys have so many stories it, like me. Because you want to share those experiences because they're so they're so important, you know. It's been my life, so. But I definitely envy you growing up in the country like that. That's because I would go to my grandma's farm in Tennessee. We'd be there for a couple of weeks, and I was like, they would just turn us loose. And it was in the country, and there was a river there, a creek where we could swim and we could fish and we could hunt if it was fall and and do everything like that. You know, our parents just basically, you know. <laughs> You know, have fun. Yeah, be back before dark. But 
Well, that's great, man. So let's hear about what you got now for dogs and what they're doing and all. How many dogs do you run? Well, so between the two of us, we have, uh, well, we've got 12 right now. So um, she's got basically two older dogs. Well, well, actually, her plot's a little older, too. Um, But I got four old dogs, and she's got three. Um, actually we just had a litter of pups. So we got, we just added mm-hmm. to them. And I have a few younger dogs I'm running, um, a couple, you know, over the litters I've had over the last few, last couple years. Um, but I sold a lot. I sold quite a few dogs last year. So anyways, my oldest dog, I, I, I always have a tendency to run young dogs anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, once I get it, once I, once a dog hits about five years old, I tend to sell it and then train and then train mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. younger. But so my oldest dog right now, he's six. And, okay. uh, but. Now, do you guys typically strike your tracks off a of rib? I, I know with cats, probably not not that way. You're, yeah, not, you do it mostly. Well, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. On bear, yeah. mostly rigging. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, for see in Idaho in the unit that we live in or that I live in, there's uh, like we couldn't bait there for years. I'm talking like twenty some years. They just actually opened it up. I think this is the third year, maybe going on fourth. So what I've done and what most people have done is they've put out baits to kind of bring bears into areas, but we don't really run off the baits. We just put the dogs on the rig and mm-hmm. then, and then strike yeah. them that way. Mostly logging roads and things that you yeah. have. Yeah. yeah all is logging there a lot roads. of access in your country? Or well, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of been, they've kind of put a little damper on it just a little bit in the last year. So it's, it's all that potlatch timber company land. And there are roads everywhere. But what they just did last year is they 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 kind of clamped down on the on the motorized vehicles. Ah, so so most of the roads you're you are you are not supposed to drive a four wheeler on anymore. Hmm. But all those years growing up, we went everywhere we wanted and, and there is so many roads. I mean, they've logged the whole country yeah. several times. My <laughs> so, experience back in the southern mountains was the old coal mining areas. So you had a lot of roads around the sides of the mountains. The yeah. deal was they just came down and blasted down the, the side of the mountain and the coal seam was there and they drilled mm-hmm. back in it and they pushed everything else down over the mountain and made a heck of a mess. But there was a road yeah. going around a shelf. like, yeah. and, and typically we would just drive those roads and find where the bear had come off the bank, you know, or whatever. A lot of ours were just visual back in those early days. And then if they weren't moving, we didn't find any tracks and you coupled up the dogs and mm-hmm. hit the mountain, you know, and just, turn a striped dog loose or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. 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 I've been on a lot of those walks yeah. when I was a kid. You oh, know? I bet. Yeah. 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 I'm, all of our stuff is, I mean, they got so many roads. I mean, they've logged everywhere. Um, but yeah, for mountain line, um, it's just usually jump on a snowmobile and just start, mm-hmm. start running roads. Um, the last few years, our mountain line population has kind of increased. We've, we've seen, seen a, uh, you know, like an increase in that. Yeah. There was a lot of years where it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, in the unit we live in, there are no quotas either. Uh-huh. And so, you know. Well, are most of the cats that you run out there are run on snow? Or yeah. Do you do, yeah, yeah, you don't have our, as much uh, d- uh, dry ground. No, we every year we'll we'll tree several several lines that the dogs just strike off the truck. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, usually we might tree I don't know at least a half a dozen usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most everything we do is just is uh, is snow stuff out there. Yeah, 
Nope. Now, you guys have the big field trials out west, mm-hmm. yes. for, and primarily they're big game dogs there and all that. Yes. How, how big a deal is that? Is that pretty uh, they're well? They're pretty well attended, aren't they? Yeah, well, she can you tell you about that. the one okay. in Missoula. That, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have one in Lolo every single year, and we're, I mean, we have a lot of guys from Idaho. I mean, tons, tons of guys from Idaho, North Dakota. Um, Utah, um, a little bit of South Dakota, um, and uh, Canada. They, yeah, I was going to say Canada. We had John Graham from Canada come down. Phenomenal guy. And there's only certain parts, I guess, in Canada that you can run. But he brought his dogs down with his wife. And just amazing gentlemen came down, did all full field trials with us in Helena, Montana, and in Lolo. But I mean, we're running between 200 and 300 dogs oh, in that's field great. trials. That's and, great. What fun. Huh? Yes. So, coon and cat that's what we're running so and even those dogs that aren't strictly coon dogs anymore it's amazing their thought process and what they Uh can smell because everything at first is all coon so we're running drags on those coons and all those dogs are going from the puppies to the older dogs to the seniors over 10 and it's phenomenal just to even see them work on drags how they're working together how they're running the different, you know, bloodlines. I mean, you know, from plots to walkers. But who's sticking together? Who's running in a straight line? Who's, you know, doing zigzagging? <laughs> a lot of this is visual yes. because you it have is. so much area, right? It that, is. That's great. Yes, there's a there's a gentleman, and he's been doing it for years. He's in his late 80s, and he has, I I believe, like 300 acres, and he lets us use his land and oh, follow every great. year. And he loves it. He comes out there at the campfire with us in the evenings, and he just he'll sit there and he'll tell tell stories from the young days about him running and he lets us use his land for the field trials every year and then in helena when we can do the water and then we go i mean and in north dakota so we have a lot of all the same people that go and are in association together and then we hit of course riggins idaho and you know go down and all those guys are all together and there it's a pretty tight-knit family when you're running well that's great and i think uh, i'm i'm sure you're probably familiar with the meat eater organization yes. and all and yanni patel is that uh, he now has a blue tick up and apparently is getting kind of interested in doing things and, and i think a lot of those who play newcomb you know with uh, and all he has plots well he was a, a coon hunter at one time with blue ticks and you know so all of that you know we're getting uh I think we're getting a, a, a better image, a more positive image with the general public because of some of these guys that are high-vis. You know, a lot of people know who they are and they can relate. Well, you know, so I'm, 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 I think it's great, you know. Uh, but I, everything has changed. I spent almost two hours yesterday on a podcast with Alan Gingrich and Trevor Wade here of UKC talking about – the 70-year anniversary of night hunts in in Coonhounds, you know. And this all came around about the time I was born. I was born in 1946. So, and, and you know, there was, that was a real hub of activity right then because the walkers came in as a separate breed. The English, uh, or the blue ticks were separated out from the English dogs. The plots were officially recognized. The night hunt sprang up. The first one was held in 1953, I believe, and and all that, you know, and and see the progress that we've made, you know, it's been it's been pretty interesting. I love the history naturally because it's my story, it's my backstory, but I just want the 
kids to love the history too because I think if they see what where we've been, then it gives them a better direction of where we need to go, yeah. you know. And uh, super important. Yeah, we need to protect this heritage of ours. Yes. And Steve, and I'm very honored to say my daughter, she's 11, her name's Ariana, and she goes hunting with me all the time. And there's nothing, she loves riding on the strike rack on the back of the dog box, and she'll ride back there with the dogs with me, and we'll go hunting. And there's been twice now that she's been able to see a bear across, you know, oh, run across the her. road. And when we turn those dogs loose, and she is so happy, Steve. Like, it's, she loves it, and she loves to be able to hear him. And so, and she's got, you know, the puppies, and she gets to watch what the puppies do and how, what I go do with them and how I train them to be, you know, strike dogs. Yeah. But I do have a, a daughter, and she, I believe that she's got that That's same passion. Terrific. It makes me super proud. Oh, of course. Makes me yeah, super proud. absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any kids, Shane? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a, a stepson. He's, but he's okay. my son, but he's 18. Yeah. I and you. yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's gone. He's got some pretty good hunting stories himself. Yeah, oh, we, well, that's, that's yeah, good. Yeah. He's quite the kid. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about your experience here? What? I mean, uh, you left, uh, did you fly out? We did. Yeah. We flew out from Missoula and, okay. uh, so we flew in on Wednesday and yeah, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, you know, you talk to a few people and, and listen to podcasts like yours, Steve. And so you kind of hear, hear some things, but I, I don't know that it's something that like, if you've never been here before and especially us, we don't, we haven't really been to night hunts or anything like that. Um, not really having that, that expectation, you know, or not mm -hmm. knowing what to, um, I think it was better than, better than what, what we thought. I don't know what you, you think Esther, but so, for me, so my thing is, is I was really curious on how these guys with all these very like high quality dogs and expensive dogs, how they would act. And I was going up and shaking hands and every single one of them was like, you know, ma'am and you know, like nice to meet you. And I was petting every single one of those old dogs. She couldn't pass the dog without stopping <laughs> yeah. to give us some. Their, the attitudes of even with their dogs and the history of letting people pet their dogs is just so old school family. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have one person be like, oh, you can't touch my dog. You can't do this. No, no. you're not going to find that in this yeah. community. And it, no. it was ever, and I felt so at home and everybody was willing to talk and to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled that it was that old school way of you just, you shake somebody's hand. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Where are you from? You know, these are what my dogs. And not only just you talking about telling stories, but they're not bragging about everything about they're doing. Right, right. But it, it's about the whole community and as a family mm -hmm. for Autumn Oaks. And that they themselves even been coming for years with these big money dogs. And they're just happy to be here to share their experience and stories with regular people coming right. out for the first time. Yeah. And I was thrilled. Like, I, I was not expecting, I was expecting a little bit more stuck up, a little bit more. No, it, very family. That's, that's really great to hear. Yes coming from you the real story of autumn oaks is out here under these trees and these campsites and all as you wander around and you see the guys sitting in the in the in the camp chairs and especially in the evening i don't know if you've been in their campfires and somebody may bring out a guitar or whatever but 
it, it this has always been a family oriented place like i mentioned the the elburns those girls have grown up with it now their interest has been more in the show arena but their children like uh nikki has a little a boy colton now she has seven children and colton is the coon hunter man i mean he is he got a double dose of it you know and uh so that's the real story and you know it's so important. You, you touched on something there. I retired at the American Kennel Club. I was on the uh, corporate management committee at, at uh, AKC. I was a, 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 an assistant vice president. They hired me to do a new coonhound program and all. And within the dog community, the broad dog community of all the different breeds and the big shows and all that, there's this mindset that everybody becomes, you know, I need to tell you how you need to be raising your dog, how you need to be feeding your dog, how you need to be handling your dog, how, you know, because I know what's best for you and you need to listen to me. And there is that whole community out there, unfortunately, and I call them snobs. I love to fly fish. And there's a lot of fly fishing snobs out there, you know. But um, so it, it's refreshing that you, as a newcomer to Autumn Oaks, picked up on that. That And that's the real spirit of this place. Yes. Everybody was so respectful and they loved their dogs. But not only that, they were very open and you can pet my dog. You yeah. Can, oh, you yeah. Know, and, uh, yeah, no bias. Yeah, and we met a lot of people too that you know, like, you know, I mean, they're friends now. You know, oh, it doesn't yeah. take long. I mean, we went hunting last night with Duke Prohl. Oh yeah, Duke's a long time friend. Yeah, love that guy. Love his whole family. You know, yeah, he took oh, us out with great, his great with family. Now he comes from an area of the country where you would typically wouldn't think that you know he's from Connecticut, right? Right. And you know, Connecticut yeah. Yankee. You know, I <laughs> right. love to listen to Duke talk. And, uh, but his parents are super special people. But I first met Duke. He didn't even have a driver's license. His sister drove him out to Princeton, Indiana to the world championship mm -hmm. in 1984. She was into horses and all. And I think there must've been a horse show or they were delivering one or whatever. And here's this kid running as a dog in the world hunt. And he's out there, man, he's doing it. You know, yeah. and of course, Duke had a lot of success, you know, world champions. He's won the UKC World Championship twice mm -hmm. and, and won the Purina went back when that was a real big thing, the Purina Award and also. Well, good. I'm glad that you've hooked up with the Duke. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. Like uh, I said, whole family and everything. And we were able uh, to go yeah. spectate last his night. his dad and, and his, yeah. his mom. She's the, she's the one that raises the puppies. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. She's, she's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instant yeah. family, you know. Yeah, and just, you know, learning from him, talking and telling stories of also how mm -hmm. we grew up and all the cool hunting. And yeah. for us to go experience it for my first mm -hmm. time, ever going on an actual, like, just cool hunt and yeah. a night hunt. Like, I had yeah. never only seen it. So you actually did go do that we did. last yeah, night? We, no. Yeah, we went to the awesome. cast. Yeah. It, was, it was so phenomenal, but nothing better than hearing those dogs strike out, going, mm. and then just watching them work, and then treeing, and then it just... Well, you're a hounds person. There's, yes. there's no denying it. You, you're the authentic deal, you know, because the average guy is sitting there, what's the big deal about listening to dogs bark, you know? <laughs> my neighbor's dog barks uh, 
Yeah, yeah, there's nothing like it, is it? I said the other day to some guys, I said, have you ever, you know, talked to a coon hunter that didn't experience a kind of a rush walking into a tree? You know, some of these guys have walked to a million trees in their lifetime, but every single one is always oh, exciting. Yeah. Every time you walk up there. And, of course, when you guys walk up there and there's that long. I've never seen a lion up a tree. Oh, really, Steve? I've only seen oh. the videos. Yeah. And yeah. I went out to uh, Navajo Nation and hunted with uh, Calvin Redhouse. We did a uh, freedom hunter's hunt for a Marine. We tried to kill a lion for him that week, but we didn't. We did kill a nice bobcat over hounds. But uh, I didn't, the guy, Chris Powell, who does the Houndsman XP, he and I started that together. Oh, okay. And yeah. so we were doing that under the HP thing, uh, XP thing. But um, they treed one, I think, the day before. And, you know, things go crazy. Calvin had these two areas or regions or whatever they call them with plenty of cats and all lined out. And then they hit the quota on them and they shut those areas down right a yeah. couple of days before yep. we got there. So we had to go scrap, uh, scratch around to find other, uh, other uh, places. But we, we did have a lot of fun, but well, great. Well, uh, it's been a real joy. Believe it or not, we've been at this about 50 minutes. I should be able to get at least an hour out of you. Um, <laughs> what's your plans? Are you uh, today's Saturday? It's uh, about midday. You're going to stay for the go back tomorrow? Or? Yes, yeah, we're yeah. flying out late at like 3.30 tomorrow. Do you come into Indy? Or? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Yep. So, so you yeah. got about 70 miles, 60, 70 miles over the airport. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, yeah, beautiful, like just on the drive here and looking at the terrain, even yeah. the airplane, Endless like being able to see the miles difference. of corn. Yeah, it's just different for, <laughs> different than what we're used to. So, yeah. There's not those big old tall mountains and, yeah. and the things that we can see, but just the different layout of the country. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. you know, it's it was phenomenal for me just being out here for the very right. first time and then flying in getting yes. a rental car coming out here and then being able to have the freedom to go look at what some of the country looks like yeah and the rivers yeah. and, you know things it's yeah. just it's different there's a lot of interesting things here in indiana what well, you mentioned my book and i'm going to go get you one in a minute but uh i did a thing about the highways and byways of coon country and i did a little uh survey or a little calculation of how many cities in the state of Indiana that I had uh, traveled to for the dogs, either uh, conducted a hunt or participated in a hunt there. It was 55 different towns in the state of Indiana over, over the years. Wow. wow. So coon hunting in Indiana has been a big thing. Lester Nance, who was the guy responsible for going to UKC and and getting the name Tree and Walker established and all it's from just north of Indy, Arcadia, Indiana. You know, it's it's kind of the heartland of all this stuff, you know. So well man, it's been great to visit with you guys and uh would you is this something that you Okay, I'm one and done, it was cool, or would it be something no. you would ever like to come back? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure we'll be back. Oh well that's yeah. great. That's great to come hear. Back and 
participate and just keep in touch with people. And then also people are like, you know, come on down here. We'll actually take you on some, oh, rock, yeah. you know, coon hunts. You want to go coon hunting? We'll take you out. We'll let you experience yeah. oh, the real yeah. deal. Go to the trees. You know, you want to go sure. out during season, you know, come out. So meeting a lot of people that are, we actually get to, I mean, I know that I'm going to come back and get to go experience the real deal. Well, coon hunters are a gregarious group. They, they love company and they love the camaraderie of it all you know that's 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 the soul of it all you know the dogs we all love the dogs no doubt about it and we love to watch them work you know we as UKC had a slogan back a few years ago dogs that do stuff you know and that's yeah. the kind of thing you know well I've learned a lot from you guys especially that these wipeout dogs are doing it you know, on big game, and that's yeah, that's yeah, great to know. Yeah. I, Barry Kitty's a very good friend of mine, and uh, and of course, when I was with the PKC organization, I got to know Barry very well. And Mike Ferguson, Tommy McQueen, those guys that bred and hunted, you know, wipeout dogs, and and then down the line, you know, the the success that they've all always mm -hmm. had, you know, phenomenal. So. They got good, uh, good cold noses. They stick with the track. That, I mean, you can tell if they're not, you know, they're not liking something. They're still working it. They do not give up. They, they do not give up. That's awesome. They will run until they have That's no more awesome. to give, and they will sit there and tree on a tree until you get there, and then they're so happy to see you, and they're like, look at what we got at the tree for you. They're just, they're all about yeah. pleasing you, and they're just the most, I mean, most hardcore on a track. They do not give up. Do your dogs have the black on their muzzles no, around their faces? Most of all? my dogs, so all the dogs that we've got are, they don't have a lot of white on them at all. They've got brown heads uh -huh. and they're completely blanket back. They okay. don't have a lot of the black on the muzzle and they don't have, you know, I've seen a lot of the, some of the wipeout dogs have a lot of ticking on them. Mm -hmm. These ones don't. Actually, These ones are all heavy, heavy blanket back dogs. A lot the, of color. The last litter I had, uh, I think she had what eight or nine, and every you could when they were little, they were all little clones of each other. They, I mean, they were just black, and yeah. you know. Uh, one little thing, voices strong. Yeah, real good. They're all they're all chop mouth dogs. Um, I always tell tell everybody when I when when they strike and I turn them loose, they're so noisy it just sounds like thunder going down the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard super you loud. Say that yeah. earlier. Yeah. I, coming out here, we've heard some walker dogs that are very quiet and I'm like, oh, mm, wow. I'm yeah. like, but no, very loud. Yeah. There's a dog out east here now that's real hot. He's real popular and uh, is the Frogger dog. And he puts a, a, a unique screaming, blaring mouth on his dog. I've got a Frogger pup out here. She's a year old. And she has that, you know, and it's just like a, a, it's a trademark, you know, of the, of that particular uh, line of dogs. But, and there's Wipeout in Frogger. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, uh, well, listen, I'm going to let you go to continue your automotive experience. I, I tell, I told the UKC people yesterday, the only thing I regret is the kitchen used to be in this building and you could go through here and go through like a buffet line and they had the most awesome pork chop sandwich. Yeah. Well, I've heard you talk that, about it before. That you ever had and it's gone now. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, but, well, we missed out on that, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. But anyway, if I, if I were to uh, ask you, would, 
could you point me to some good trout streams out where you live you oh, guys absolutely yeah at all some of the best are trout these, fishing uh, are these family secrets <laughs> no, no, not at all. we'll share them with you steve yeah. all right so i was going to say so the locks on on highway 12 going between idaho and montana i mean almost every single cast you're going to be catching cutthroat and oh rainbows. awesome and a lot of fly fishing, a lot of just regular spinner fishing, but if you want to be guaranteed on every cast to just sit there and nail a nice big old fish. So the Locksaw River is beautiful, which goes into the Clearwater um, over in my neck of the woods, the Blackfoot. It's the access. Now you got to remember now that I'm 77 years old, soon to be. I can't bounce around on the, in on that pocket water and those slippery rocks like I used to. I kind of need a little more level graduate anywhere you know. on the blackfoot steve anybody you can take a wheelchair it's so easy it's so easy the <laughs> oh, thing is, is i got i gotta try it i yes. gotta try it yes. thank you you're very welcome thank but, you. and then a lot of brown trout a lot of brown trout fishing. oh yeah I mean, even if you go to the big hole and you're fishing down along the big hole river you got i mean super yeah. nice big old brown now trout. like in wyoming like right now is hopper season out in wyoming is the same thing out there yes yeah yes yeah. I caught my personal like, best brown out there on in a place called Paint Rock uh, Creek there in, uh, out of War Hyattville or something. But anyway, this is supposed to be a coon hunting podcast. And, or listen, uh, folks, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. We've been talking, folks, with Shane Richard of Headquarters Idaho and Esther Weimer of Clinton, Montana, who are here at their first autumn oaks it's been delightful to talk to you guys and uh, we hope that you will listen to gone to the dogs too and we'll try to have something in there every once in a while that would interest big game hunters out west yeah. oh we listen I, we listen to you all the time yeah we yeah. listen to every episode so well, that's yeah. great thanks a lot guys thank you steve We've had uh, a lot of fun today talking to a lot of folks. And right now, uh, at the Gone to the Dogs podcast booth, we have three gentlemen here that I have not met before. Uh, I'm looking forward to exchanging a few words and thoughts with uh, Austin Sperano, Marcus Bass, and Cole Wilson. Uh, these uh, fellows stopped by, and I'm really glad that you did, guys. Now, I want to, the thing that kind of maybe separates you guys from some of the other guests that we've had along is that you're uh, fairly young, all of you. Uh, let me ask you, Austin, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. And you, Marcus? Fifteen. Fifteen. And you, Cole? Uh, Fourteen. Okay, so you're the elder statesman, Austin, right? <laughs> okay, well, cool. Well, let's get a little bio here. Austin, where are you from? New York. New York. What part of New York? The city? Uh, like upstate. Upstate, okay. All right, I've, I've been up that way, up in the Adirondacks. You're yeah, over I'm towards Syracuse. Albany. Albany, okay, yeah. the capital. I've I'm been like up there. 40 minutes south of there. Okay, so you're a coon hunter up there? Yeah. Well, that's great. Now, what about you, Marcus? Where are you from? Tennessee. Tennessee. That's where my father was born. What part of Tennessee? Uh, east, Clark County. Clark County. In Cock. East, Cock County. Cock County. What's the nearest town that I might know? 
Newport, Gatlinburg. Oh, yeah, Newport. I know. You know Mike Wright? Uh, I think his name is Mike White. Uh, oh, I can't remember his last name. Did some hunts with him there at the Newport Club. Never yeah. heard of him. All right. Well, Cole, where are you from? Uh, Tennessee. At same area? As Severeville. Mark? Sevierville, Dolly Parton country. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's cool. Well, you guys uh, came by the booth and said, hey, can we record with you? And I said, absolutely. I'd love to do that. So I'm kind of interested in talking to you fellas about what brings you to Autumn Oaks. Why are you here, Marcus? Um, I'm here mainly because um, yeah. we built, my dad used to want to always go, and he never really got to. And then we're kind of just getting back into coon hunting. So Oh, okay. So you and your like. dad? Yeah, and my older brother. I see. So you guys, all three of you came out to uh, Autumn? My brother's not here, but my mom is. Oh, well, that's really cool. Really cool. That's a pretty long drive from upstate New York, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was like 12 hours. 12 hours. Cool. Well, guys, what about you, Marcus? Why are you, why are you here at Automote? Well, I came up here because um, my uncle, he's been coming up here, about, I think, the last 26 years. And uh, when I got real big into coon hunting after bear hunting, I got real big into coon hunting. And uh, I was, you know, thinking that uh, I want to go up there with him, see the big old hunt, all them fairgrounds with him. And he brought me up here this year, and I'm well, glad I came. Oh, well, great. And it, so this is your first visit to Autumn Oak. It is. Is it your first? Yeah. Uh, what about you, Cole? Uh, it's my second time. Second time. Were you here last year? or uh, Year before. Year before. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, so all, all three of you guys coon hunt, right? Or do you? Do yeah. You? And you've also done some bear hunting. Oh, yeah. There. Same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being from East Tennessee, I can imagine that. Do you know Mr. Roy Clark? Uh, Roy Clark um, Plothounds, right? Yes, Laurel Mountain Plothounds. He's, yeah. he's a legend, Roy yes, is. Sir. and His his father, Hugh, knew those fellas. I see Roy at Greenville, Tennessee, each year at the American Plot Association breed days there. And, uh, well, cool. All right, well, the, the typical questions I'd ask anybody that I meet for the first time, what kind of dogs do you prefer? Uh, uh, well, let's start with, yeah, Austin. What about you? Uh, I've only ever hunted with walkers, like okay. chain walkers, and that's really it. Yeah, that's, that's all it, I got. Huh? So, uh, your walker dogs, do you know the bloodlines on any of them uh, or kind of the how one, they're bred? The one I have, he's uh, out of a stylish bank, I think it is. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I think he has a little bit of lipper in him. Yeah. Not, not a lot, but he's five. We got him out from Ohio, and then... The one pup I have, we got her out of New York. I'm not fully sure what she's out I of. See. All right. Now, where you live in New York, it's fairly, you're around Albany. You've got hills. It's rolling hills yeah, and all. It's, it's not really hilly, yeah. mountains, per se, but it's hilly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of coon there? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. Hunt farms, farmlands, yeah, or, where, or but, creeks? Uh, my or? parents have um, friends, and they have cornfields that other people plant for them, and we hunt those, and then they have a creek, like, right out back their house. and So you hunt there mostly? A little yeah. bit, and then we have some other fields around by my house that we hunt that have creek in them, creeks in them and everything. Sure. Do you have any other friends your age that coon hunt up there? Not really. Yeah. Not that I can think of. All right. So what? Uh, any other kids at school that, that have hounds or, or coon hunt? No. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of that way, too, when I was in school. Well, I know you live in a mountainous area there in Newport, but uh, what 
breed of dogs do you prefer, Marcus? I love me uh, English coonhounds. Uh, I believe if faint ticked red, then you're better off just going to bed. <laughs> just go to bed. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> well, I saw you had a little red tick puppy there with you. Yes. And you said he was tired. He looked like he was sleepy. Yeah. yeah. After he just ate, he, he always goes to bed after he eats. So. I got you. Well, uh, do you have other red ticks at home? Yeah, I got my four-year-old red tick, Cash. Do you know anything about his breeding? Uh, no, because my uncle gave him to him to me, and I just hunted him. I do know one thing, though. He likes to chew on bark. He does. He likes to chew the tree. Yeah. That can be an aggravating habit sometimes, especially in a night hunt when they're running a two-minute clock on you when your dog shuts up. And if he's there chewing the tree instead of barking, you could get minus. Well, he don't do the shut up part. He does it while he's barking. Oh, he continues to bark and chew. Okay. Well, he can get by with that then. (laughs) What about you, Cole? What kind of dogs do you prefer? Uh, English, cur. Oh, yeah. Got a cur dog in, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you doing squirrel hunting daytime? We did. Now we're just coon hunting. Coon Coon and bear. Yeah. So does do you hunt with your bear hunt with your parents? Uh you guys that bear hunt? I I used to bear hunt my stepdad when I was bear hunting with uh, his dog Ratchet Plothound, Laurel Mountain Clark's plots. Yeah, well, uh, we mentioned Roy Clark right there, and that, excuse me, boys, got a little tick in my throat. <coughs> well, uh, here at Autumn Oaks, what have you guys done while you're here? What have you found interesting to do, Austin? Um, we went to the slam hunts Wednesday when we got here, and then other than that, I've been showing my one dog, my pup. Oh, so you've been showing them in the ring over here in the big yeah, building and I all, huh? I did the um, registered bench show yesterday, and then I did the youth show today. Oh, cool. Uh, did you have any luck at all? Not during the registered one, but during the youth hunt. It, I mean, not the youth hunt, but the youth show it was pretty good. She looked better than the, than the actual uh, event show. Okay, so it was a walker female? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. How old is she? She's about to be two. She turns two in November. Awesome. So what have you been doing, finding to do around here, Marcus? Uh, I like to go across fairgrounds. I like to talk to all these people about their championship dogs. And another thing I found interesting is going out that barn out there and going to look at the dogs they got for sale and stuff. And that's how I bought that pup. Your puppy. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Was that a male or female puppy? That's a male dog. It's a male? Okay. He looked to be about what? seven six seven weeks eight weeks old eight weeks old eight yeah well that's that's good enough i i would not bring a puppy probably younger than that to a big event like that just because my concern for diseases and things like that and all but yeah it's pretty pup nice nice uh red tick with some spots and um, he's real pretty he is very pretty, sure. All right. Uh, what What about you? You find anything that's interesting? Uh, about the same as Marcus. Yeah. Like walking around, talking to ask about what breed the dogs are, yeah. what blood lines. Yeah. Now, do you guys know each other from back home? Yeah. Okay. We're cousins. Oh, you're cousins. Oh, all right. Well, and how did you get hooked up with these Tennessee guys? We just started out. Me and my parents were in here, and then I walked outside, and I started talking to them. Oh, okay. Well, good for you. Well, you know, we were talking uh, to to some people earlier today 
that are from Idaho and Montana, and it's their first time at Autumn Oaks. But they commented about how friendly everyone is, and that when they would go up and ask about a dog, people were very willing to let, tell them about the dog and let them, you know. Oh, somebody dropped a set out of the ring over there, I think. <laughs> it's... Uh, we're we're alive here at Automotive, folks. So there's a lot of noise going on around. As some of the breed associations here in this building are beginning to tear down as why as we're winding down. But anyway, what I was saying, Marcus, was they were commenting, you know, about how people were easy to talk to, and that's what we always want to promote, you know, in our sport. Some of our clubs, you know, they wonder why they don't have new members and all. And that, you know, is, can be because people aren't friendly. When new, Do you, each of you belong to a local club or do you have a local coon club there? We what have, about you, Austin? We have one about pretty much, we're not a member of any clubs, but there's a couple that are a couple hours away, but we hunt them a little bit. Oh, okay. So that's where you go to your UKC events or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. And what about you? I know there's a good club in Newport, right? Yeah. Uh, I've been a member of the High um, not High Oaks, but the, um, yeah, High Oaks High Oaks, club yeah. For about two years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking my, I can't remember Mike's last name, but I think it's right. He used to be very active there. He had walker dogs and all, and he ran a lot of the events there. But uh, So you belong to High Oaks Coon Club, yeah. too? All right. Do they have, uh, ask all of you, do they have youth events at your clubs that you can participate in? They the just one I went us. to, yeah, did. I did you, the one you, youth hunt there. Okay. What about you, Mike? Yeah, they'll have like um, they'll have like a one night youth hunt if they're having a two night hunt. They'll have one night youth hunt, then a two night you know just hunt. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's cool. Uh, I guess because of the size of Autumn Oaks and all the all the logistics that's required to put like last night it was like five hundred and eleven dogs or something sure. in the woods. Jeez. So they need to use every available guide that they can and they send them out to some of the satellite clubs or dis distant clubs. So as far as I know they don't have any hunting events for youth here, do they? That you know of? Not that I know of, no. No. Yeah. No. That would be great if they if they did, which would require more guides and and so forth. And a lot of people that are uh, are and well, none of you are driving age yet, are you? Well, you're close. I got uh, a permit. Permit, yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, once you get that that license and all, that gives yeah. you a little more flexibility to get out to the hunts. Are you pleasure hunting at this time of year, uh, Austin, up yeah, there in New are. York? You are? That's good. Well, you get a little cooler weather up there where you are, I believe, yeah, don't do. you? Mm -hmm. Well, I had a guy from New York tell me one time, he says, when I tell them I'm from New York, they think I can look out my window and see the Statue of Liberty, you know? <laughs> that's what they were saying. Yeah, you've heard that before. Yeah, uh, that's what uh, they were telling Oh, uh, yeah. But you're a long way from New York City, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. I think it's like four hours or something. Yeah, I, in my job, I work for three different Coonhound registries. I 
was the manager here at Autumn Oaks for UKC for 16, 16 years. Okay, we're going to get some competition here from the announcer, so we're probably going to have to to uh, we've been at it 14 minutes i told you 15 so just want to thank you guys all for coming on and this will be aired on the gone to the dogs podcast you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts on spotify apple podcasts or whatever so i'm we're gonna have to shut this off because we're gonna get grounded out austin marcus cole thank you very much for coming on really enjoyed it thank you sir okay